Hello, Mech Warriors, and welcome to the Mech Bay, where we fix your mech and fix your game. What's going on, Mech Warriors? I'm your host, Josh, and I've got my co-host with the most, Lord Master Denim, with me today. What's going on, Denim? Howdy, howdy. And we are the Mech Bay Podcast, your number one source for all things casual, competitive, tabletop, battle tech. And today, we are going to be talking about everyone's favorite soldiers of fortune, the mercenaries. But we're going to be actually talking about how to build a mercenary company for the tabletop. So pull up your QuickBooks and your HR handbooks, because it's Mech Bay management time. But first, before we even do our coolant flush of news, hobby progress, fan mail, games played, upcoming events, and all that, we have corrections. That's right. It's my new favorite segment. The correction section. Hmm. How do we want to put this? Did we interpret rules wrong or were rules worded poorly that when we all looked at it, we all interpreted the same thing? I'm going to say that since it's in the total warfare, it's <laughs> definitely rules worded weirdly. Maybe not poorly, but definitely weirdly. Yeah, because when I see the words mechanized battle armor, I think battle armor that can be mechanized, that has the Correct. ability to, like elemental, center sphere standard, something like marauder battle armor, I do not think of as mechanized battle armor. I know it's X-Mech, which is not the same. Don't don't look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> but but yes, like mechanized battle armor is a type is is a type of unit. It is a unit that can you know, that, that can ride like an, an Omnimech or something like that. Not necessarily is riding it right then. But you're right. The rules were trying to interpret it as mechanized battle armor, as in battle armor that is currently riding on an Omnimech. So this is all in relation to our last episode where we talked about hidden units. So you were actually talking with one of the rules team after that episode released and they said no it's meant to be that battle armor that is currently riding a mech which is quote mechanized battle armor cannot be hidden right because they they wanted to make sure that that you couldn't have a mech with uh, with battle armor on it and one was hidden and the other was not which would lead to all kinds of weird rule things so they threw that in there just to make sure that there was no confusion which caused confusion <laughs> we solved the confusion by adding more confusion but different yes. confusion battle armor that are not on mechs can be hidden under normal hidden unit rules that's that's okay. what it comes down to so let's addendum to that episode and talk about the great ways that battle armor that is not riding a mech can be hidden and used on the table i know we had talked that it almost felt overpowered if battle armor could be hidden. And there's a few reasons why. And the first one is if it enters your hex. In, in the case of, uh, of infantry, the unit, like the, the mech that triggers it can still end up in their hex. But if they take the point blank attack, that is their only action and attack that turn. But if they don't take it and you end up in their hex, then on on the attack phase, they can swarm you. When I think of battle armor that's hidden, I want to put them in woods that people want to jump things into and land. Right. The high TMM units, and I'm using a low BV, I want to say tanky, but not like super tanky unit that's just like hiding in a woods. And when that stinger or wasp or 
spider jumps into that heavy <laughs> woods to get a high TMM and then a high, you know, target modifier with the woods. So it's normally like plus six. That battle armor is just there. It's not going to shoot. Right, because the, the point blank shot is not a thing it has to do. It's a thing that you can do. So if a, if a mech is jumping in your hex, you're just like, I choose not to do it. And they land in your hex, and that doesn't cause any problems with stacking. And then when it's your turn to attack, you just say, okay, I'm going to swarm. The problem times. with that is, though, you do have to add that. Well, no, because you can't do physicals. It's not a, <laughs> a swarm attack is during the attack phase. Okay. Yeah, it's That's considered. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not a point blank. See, this is where it gets weird because <laughs> well, you can't do a point. You can't do a swarm as your point blank. Yeah, that's why you're saying you're not doing the point blank. You're opting out of that. So you opting. are detected. You are. You are. You know, everyone can see you now. You're there. Yes. But since they jumped into your hex, that that's not something they can change their mind about. So they they land in your hex. That just happens. So if they and enter then, your hex, you're going for the swarm. Uh, most likely, yeah. I mean, it's it's just so vicious. Um, and if they're in their in your hex, they can't shoot at you anyway, because you can't you can't shoot at uh, at a unit at something in your own hex, except unless you're infantry. So they can yeah. shoot you. You can't shoot them. If your infantry jumps into another infantry's hidden unit hex, then it's just infantry on infantry action. Right. But that's that's the interesting part about the swarm attack is that since that happens in the attack phase you can't even stomp on them. Like you can't do a physical attack against them because you can't do a, a physical, you can't stomp on a unit that's swarming because that's in the physical attack phase and the swarm happens during the weapon attack phase. So let's talk about leg attacks. So if we're not swarming, we're leg attacking. It's only going to do what four damage and then chance of critical. Right, you get that 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 crit chance on the leg, which is uh, which is fantastic. Uh, it can ruin a, a stinger or a spider or a wasp stay real fast. Just got to roll that eight up. Yep. Yep. But here's an interesting thing: you can stack two battle armor in the same hex, so when they land in there, you get two uh, two chances. I hadn't even considered that, and that's that's even twice as dirty because you can only hide yeah. one mech. Right. You can hide two vehicles, but we yep. talked a little bit about that. But two battle armor or infantry? Mm. Oh yeah, two two SRM carriers in the same hidden in the same hex is just it's just gonna ruin everybody's day. Nobody wants to play you anymore. <laughs> I know, I know, I've heard that recently. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that battle armor can be used to great uh, to great effect. So what about shooting? Let's talk about them shooting things. So their point blank shots, I don't think, are as effective as like a vehicles or a mechs. But considering the still, range yeah. is, is going to be one or zero, things like SRMs, flamers, machine guns are perfectly viable because they're at their shortest distance. Right. I mean, you're going to hit, but but you have to roll on on the uh, the cluster tables for all your weapons. Yeah. So the cluster the cluster table is, it makes point blank shots not as exciting because you can hit but you can hit for for very low numbers and it's not the uh it's not the shock value of of an AC20 um or or a clan or a PPC something like that. Yeah. I mean, there definitely are some more assault weighted battle armor where that's like sure I only hit with two of my mechs that's still 
you know, six SRMs and medium lasers. Like that's worth an actual mech shooting. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is for the BV, it's much better. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like 500, four to 500 points. You're, you're getting great value out of that. Um, I mean, you can still like, even if, if it's SRMs and, and lasers, you can still cripple a light, fast, jumpy mech. And, and, uh, and if not, then you can start taking out their legs. Now, is there a way we can take advantage of like, let's, let's say we forward deploy some elementals, some just bog standard elementals. Once they're revealed, let's say they, we chose not to swarm because they didn't land. We chose to point blank because we were already, you know, revealed. Is there, what's our next, you know, couple steps of the plan is, are we going to just like, okay, we're there. We've got like a scout or two. Are we deploying them forward as aggressively or because now we're revealed, are we pulling them back to like join the main force or okay or the wild card are we bringing mechs up faster now to support them no we're not we're not supporting them at all they're here (laughs) to support us it's it's again the the two different ways to to deploy one is is you know you put them into the desirable spots where you think that light mechs that, that will be easily destroyed by their weapons fire will land or you put them in places where you think that the enemy's heavier mechs are going to come from because once they're revealed, you want them to, to dig into those, to those heavies and assaults, the slower mechs that have heat problems that, that you can just, just swarm over those, the ones that aren't going to jump and shake you off as easily. So uh, instead of taking those long range um, back shots, like you would with, with, you know, with a mech with Gauss rifles who who's hiding in the rear, you want them hiding in closer to the enemy's territory, but where their heavy mechs will be moving, moving by because uh, you want them disrupting the enemy's plan. And the best way to do that is to get them to cause their, their assault mechs to have to deal with it. Another thing I thought of is the new elemental threes with stealth armor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like even if you're revealed, you still have the stealth armor ability. So just sitting still, you're, kind of holding that woods and they don't want to go in it and pop the camo off at the right time they have to decide do i shoot it you know the mechs or vehicles that are coming at me or try to clear that woods that could give me an advantage to sit in it right the worst the worst thing would be is if the elementals were detected with 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 an active probe much further away than they'd be able to do anything because they still have a jump of three. So if you detect it at, at like six or more, that's two turns before you can even get close to the enemy and they're either going to ignore it or, or eliminate it, uh, do heavy damage to it before it gets to them. That'd be the worst case scenario. So you kind of want to try and find a way to avoid that. Elementals are a little bit easier because they're only level one and you need line of sight for an active probe to to find them so if they're adjacent to a level one you know you might be in range of the active probe but you don't have line of sight so they're still hidden and then they can pop out and surprise you so they they do have they do have their advantages there but once they are detected they are slow so you do have to deal with that yeah yeah, I would just if they get revealed, they're pretty much dead at that point. I I, I just make a beeline towards the heaviest, <laughs> the heaviest enemy mech. Whether or not they make it there, they're going to cause distractions. They're going to force them to deal with that. And if they don't, yay for me. Yeah. 
And we kind of touched on this with regular foot inventory, but hidden battle armor, great for spotting for indirect fire because yep. they can forward deploy. If they get spotted, they get spotted and you're down, you know, maybe 5% of your total list PV. Do you have any closing thoughts on using mechanized battle armor for? Oh, I'm glad that uh, that I haven't been using it as a hidden unit in error. Uh, but I think mostly it follows along the lines of of most of the other uh, tactics and logic that we've been doing. So you know, just just try and use your common sense, and you'll find some f- some fun ways to do it. Yeah. yeah, too long. Don't listen. They're cheaper, so they're even better at hidden uniting, and they can swarm, which is yeah. probably the key thing. So those are the key things to remember for battle armor. All right, now for some hobby news. We have new shirts available. So these are the shirts that are for the Kickstarter, but not being released with the Kickstarter. <laughs> when you say we, you don't mean the Mech Bay. <laughs> yeah. You mean Catalyst. Yeah. Uh, so these are the Hanson's Rough Riders and the Rosselhog Dominion t-shirts. I'm I'm actually looking at that Rosselhog uh, Dominion. I, I I may pick that one up. I don't know. I don't know if I could wear the bear to like work or something. I work from home mostly, so it doesn't matter for me. <laughs> Good for you. That's right. I think that's our big, you know, product news. I think that's well, the only the, thing. The Grey Death should be coming out very shortly at Barnes and Noble. I mean, obviously, it hasn't been uh, announced. I just know that it that it was supposed to be coming out relatively soon compared to everything else so you know who knows by the time this podcast comes out maybe it'll be there maybe it won't man i hope so what does the oh, great yeah, one have that has the uh, regent and it, the yep it's got the regent which is the cool one it's got the jumping shadow hawk and which obviously i'm excited about and it has the official k2 uh variant of the catapult that's right that's the one but uh, in Alpha Strike news, we had the June FAQ pre-release come out. So everyone's digging through that right now. And there's a lot. This one probably is the largest FAQ. I want to say this is FAQ, but more errata. Yes, it's more errata. It's it's probably the biggest thing that's happened to mechanized infantry since the rule that stated you cannot uh, mount them and dismount them in the same turn. Yeah. So... We're still digesting that, but I know like there's one or two key things, and you've been, I think, read more of that denim. Right. the The big, big one that that I was concerned about is now when you dismount or disembark infantry, they get half of their movement and their TMM uh, for that. So if you are if you are a mechanized battle armor and you're riding an omni, and the omni stops its movement and then deploys you you can jump three inches and you still get your TMM for that. Can you walk instead of jump if you don't have jumping? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You walk if you don't have jump. Yes, that is true. And if you're not an Omni, like if, let's say you're, you're good old inner sphere and you have that hover transport, hover transport moves, you can dismount and the units inside can move half their movement. Yes. That's pretty good. I like that. Oh, it's it's great because you can you can uh, get into the into those woods for cover. If like if your hover transport can't get into woods, you can still you can dismount and then move half your movement into the woods. You can you can, uh, you can do all sorts of things. I worry about the very fast units with very fast battle armor, though. 
Oh yeah, it's going to be a problem. This is one of those things that definitely needs to be play tested if, if it has not already with the you know with the extreme situations and the and the uh, <laughs> you know the outliers. The outliers; those are the ones we always worry about. That's right. But that'll be fun. Like I said, we're still digging through that, so there might be more to come out. Well, the problem is, is that we got this thing, but we're all distracted because everyone's getting backer kit emails. Yeah. So everyone's digging through that. Um, I can't give a full report because I'm I'm still digging through it myself. So let's talk about the backer kit because, you know, we paid all that money last month for the Battletech Kickstarter. And now they're like, what do you want from that money? And I'm like, I want everything. Don't you know this by now? And they're like, great, give us more money. I'm like, but I <laughs> gave you a lot of money. So how's the backer kit going on your end? Uh, th- there have been some some questions. I've I've had to message them, but I got a response very quickly and they were able to fix uh, fix any of the issues that I had. For example, I want all of the plushies. I just want all of them. So during uh, the pledge, I because I've got the two the two urban mechs, so I pledged for six more of the plushies. Well, apparently one of the options they added in but didn't tell me about before was a pack of all of them, and it's pretty much cheaper than getting them all individually. I would so, hope so. Yeah. So I had to tell them, look, I you know I put down six of these. I only need one because the um you know, the, the pack of eight counts as one selection. So, uh, I had them remove a bunch of the plushy options, stuff like that. So you're trimming yours to make it more efficient, less clicks. Well, I mean, except for every one of my pledges was basically $30 locked in. Yeah. So I had to get them to remove that and then refund me, not refund me, but, but, but credit you credit me so that that money could be reallocated somewhere else. You know, towards the towards the the multi pack of all yeah. eight of them, yeah, right. So it it all kind of came out the same, but I needed them to get rid of those extra five plushy uh, selections that I had already made. Because you were in the like that first five percent of backers, so you were the you were the guinea pig. I was the guinea pig, and we definitely messaged them a lot about we, about little things like that. We definitely guineaed the pigs. Yes, that that's right. I still. Just got mine, and it's it's a lot. I I definitely wish there were pictures. <laughs> like, pictures would be nice. You do have uh, a minimum of thirty days, probably longer. And at the end of all of this, they will be they will be reopening up again, just just for all the little changes. So no rush, be patient, kind of thing. Yes. All right. Any other news? Are we ready to move on? Yeah, no, I think we're we're ready to go on to the next uh, to the next section. All right, hobby progress, denim. What have you gotten done since the last episode? Honestly, not a whole lot of hobby progress. I've I've kind of organized. I've cleaned up my area, which I guess is important because <laughs> you know I'm I'm basically finding all of my empty uh, paint jars and and replacing them with with full ones. Cleaning things up a bit just so my, my station is a bit more organized. My office has gotten way too messy. So I'm going to say that cleaning counts as hobby progress. It does. Organization is the cornerstone of hobby progress. How about you? You got nothing, anything? Nothing. Oh. Nothing at all. I've, I looked at models and I, <laughs> like, 
I've spent most of my time looking at buying stuff because the problem is with the Kickstarter, I didn't get anything. Like I got digital rewards and that's fine. But I'm I'm a physical product person at heart. As I say, backer backer kit should count as hobby progress. It should, but I haven't even finished that. (laughs) I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is too much for me to mentally handle right now. (laughs) Let's go back to looking at Hollander 3s online. (laughs) Why not? Why not? So yeah, I've gotten nothing done. I've gotten I've moved stuff around on my table and just waiting for that hobby inspiration to kind of hit me. I guess I technically did a trade. I traded some Warhammer 40k stuff for one of my you know friends' Capellan army that he hasn't painted or primed. So I'm getting Capellan mechs like Agroterras and you know metal longbows. Oh wow! Yeah. So. I'll be putting those to use whenever we meet and we actually trade. So nice, but I didn't spend money on that. That's the problem. Hobby progress. You either have have to paint it or spend money. And I haven't done either. Well, you spent, you spent plastic on plastic or not plastic. You spent models for models. It's still, it's not, it's barter. Yeah. Yeah. Barter counts. No barter counts. Barter does not count. Fine. Barter counts for me. Okay. But for my lack of hobby progress, I have gotten some games played in. You've oh, got some gameplay, so I absolutely have. Yeah. So why don't you roll out with you know who came down to good old you know Raleigh, North Carolina to play what? That's right. Well, Jason Hansa was on his way down to Vietnam, and on his way, he uh, he decided to stop by Hangar Eighteen and see if anyone wanted a game or three. And we did. We played. We played for many hours that too day. Many hours. That's too many hours. I don't know. I mean, I had to leave early to go uh, to go do some family stuff, but I, I enjoyed my time there. We had some good games. We had a nice lunch. So yeah, Jason brought his uh, Jingao. Uh, he brought two of them and some Marauder <laughs> battle armor. And that was it. Like just those two mechs and those two squads of battle armor was 7,500 BV. Uh, those... Those were monsters. <laughs> one of them, one of them was a standard one, which we've seen, and the other one, I almost accused him of being a custom mech, but it turns out that it pretty much wasn't because it was featured in Shrapnel Number Twelve. It's a beast. It just happens to have also been designed by Jason Hansa. So, <laughs> so was it custom? Yes, yes, but it's also it's also canon. So you know, it, it's very it's very legal for uh, any and all of our games. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. It has it has armored hips, armored gyro, armored cockpit. It has a supercharger. It has TSM. It's it's just a beast. Uh, it was it was very frightening. Is this like the equivalent of like that Ron Swanson meme where do you have a permit for this? And he's like, here you go. And it's like, I can do what I want. Like, I, I yes. feel like that's literally. Yeah. Hey, I want to take this mech and make it as strong or cool as I want. And it's like, okay, we don't do custom mechs. I put it in a book. Fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if I were, if if I were were an author for you know for BattleTech, I would a hundred percent make my very own Shadowhawk variant and make it canon. You know, I would do that. I know, and I think less of you, but I wouldn't expect anything different. No, I hundred percent would. Uh, I do it proudly. <laughs> I'm not saying I'd get a tattoo of it on my like like on me or anything, but but I would a hundred percent make my own variant and get it published. Oh, 
I mean, we all we all deep down, deep down, right? <laughs> look in the mirror, and it's like, yeah, we all want to. Speaking of Shadowhawks, though. One of the first, at turn three, he moved one of his Jingaos into into a bad position. Well, what I considered like like a tempting position, and I jumped my my Shadowhawk in there to to punish that, and it was a trap because his other one had nine heat, activated TSM, activated Supercharger, ran twelve across the map, and both of them kicked that Shadowhawk in the leg, and they both hit the left leg. Uh, one of them for um, 13 points of damage and the other one for 26 points of damage. So that was 10 more points than that Shadowhawk's leg could handle. And now I've got a, a uh, 587 Shadowhawk that can't jump, can't stand. Um, yeah, it was it was frightening. It was very scary. Is this like the tactic for just Capellan mechs in general? Like nobody oh, knows yeah. what they are and then they yeah. whip out like crazy TS and weaponry and they're like hey <laughs> it was frightening it was so frightening now unfortunately i'm not locked for, in here with you you're locked yeah, in here with me exactly unfortunately for jason he only had the two mechs and the two battle armor and i did have a lance of four mechs so even though his were very scary i was able to focus fire down uh the the really scary one you know his his custom baby <laughs> <laughs> which which left the other one slightly damaged, but but all, all I had left was a uh, was a spider, a thirty ton spider. So he he had his back stripped earlier from when the spider had jumped uh, behind him. So his center torso rear was stripped, and the only other real damage he had taken was was the armor on his left leg was was pretty much gone. But this guy knows how to play, and he was playing it really well, and he made sure that A, never had a backshot again on the spider ever, and B, I was never able to jump into the into the left, uh, the left arc, where if I had kicked, it would be an automatic left leg kick. So at best, it was a 50-50 chance on that leg. He never let me get into that position. However, one of those times, to prevent me from doing that, he did park himself next to some level one water. And as we know from one of our previous podcasts, pushing is fun. So I needed a seven to push, but during the shooting phase, he mangled that spider's arm. He hit it for four crits and the the spider doesn't have anything in there. So it's shoulder, upper arm, lower arm, hand, all of them were mangled. So he has this mangled stump, which surprisingly only adds a plus two to your push. (laughs) Bumped, Bumped it up to a nine and I managed to roll a 10. So he slid into the water he had no armor on his left leg, so that flooded, which made him fall. Breach he alert. Has, he has no armor on his center torso rear, so it breached, flooded, and and that, that ended his mech. But there is no, like, all I had to do was lose initiative that turn, and it would have been over for me. So it was, uh, it came down to that, that one initiative roll, and, of course, the one push roll. So it was, uh, it was, it was intense, it was exciting. It was it was amazing. It was one of the closest and most fun games I have played in a long, long time. Man, that sounds so, awesome. Now, but thank I'm super you, Jason. glad you played him instead of me. Cause... It is scary. It is yeah. so scary. <laughs> but can you say you beat him, in, or do we say the map beat Jason Hansa? Well, I being that he was 
playing me on my favorite map that that uh, that I have played that Lance on. I, I had there, I had the home field advantage for sure. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't say like, did I <laughs> did I win that battle? Yes. Did I beat Jason? I don't know if I can say that because the damage, like all I had was a was was a heavily damaged spider at the end of that fight. Like he he didn't have anything moving around, and I had most of a spider like sure i win but at what cost it was <laughs> it was so devastating <laughs> the cost of a shadowhawk's left leg oh it, well i mean the, when the shadowhawk went down his his marauder battle armor went after that while the rest of his mechs went after the rest of my guys he took off seven limbs in that game of my forces oh my seven God. yes my, my shadow hawk beat himself unconscious trying to well destroying the the marauder battle armor the last thing he did was was uh, use his plasma rifle to to fry the last one tried to stand up needed at nine fell down knocked himself unconscious <laughs> the the catapult uh had one leg he had no arms and he was missing his left leg uh the rifleman had no arms and the, and the spider had a mangled a mangled right arm and and uh and so much damage everywhere else it was it was bad i i don't know if i was running an actual mercenary unit if i could have survived that because of the repair costs alone so it was it was close <laughs> it was close um but i went how about you how was your game you played michael bryant Yes, also known as Ghost Rider on the Mech yeah. Discord. He drove in all the way from Charlotte, so it's, it was just meetup day, meetups and games. I like and it. And we played our game of classic, and he took a Mad Cat and a Grendel and some Elementals. This was like his first time running Elementals, and I was like, okay. I had only brought things I had painted for this day, so I was like, okay, and okay, we're doing clan. And I looked through my sheets and I only had like half of my sheets. And I was like, all right, so we got to pick. We got like five sheets to pick from. I was like, okay, you're getting the Triskelion tripod, <laughs> Piranha 5, and a hammerhead. And I was like, I mean, that's fine. Piranha, isn't that basically an anti-infantry mech? <laughs> it is with, you know, 12 machine guns, two improved heavy medium lasers, and you know, a mask or sorry, supercharger, quote unquote, for you know, that nine or seven. Oh, god, it, it moves 18. Yeah, poor elementals. No, no poor elementals. <laughs> I know they're all gone because of the piranha. Actually, no. I don't know how this battle went at all. Yeah. How did this battle go? <laughs> yeah, you were too busy fighting for your Oh, yeah, I have no there. I have no idea. I was right next to you. I have no idea what happened at your table at all. Zero. I was that focused on my fight. It was so close. It was like chess between grandmasters over here at my table. No idea what was going on anywhere <laughs> else in the world. It was a good game. Michael's mechs i've seen them before and they look even more beautiful in person like i was like almost offended by how crisp that green on his mag hat looked and i was like oh oh yeah no now i'm glad i'm taking out my pretty you know <laughs> tripod <laughs> hammerhead i was like this is my best painted stuff so eh. but uh it was good it was real good he played little cagey with the timberwolf you know going up to that heavy woods that first like good sniping point because this was on the, like the heavily wooded battle mat and there's 
there's a lot of places to hide to not get shot. And I was like, okay, I've only got so many turns because the Grendel's got the elementals on it. And he's jumping. And I'm like, you just can't hit that if it's jumping. Right. 7 as a as a battle armor transport, it's it's perfect. My first opening shot was to like supercharge the piranha as close to the Grendel as can, tried shooting, missed. He essentially took out an arm on that, you know, with the lucky Timberwolf ER large. And I was like, okay, okay, we lost an arm, not the worst. Uh, but turn two, or, but the next turn, the piranha's in the back of that Timberwolf who's just sitting up on the hill. And I was like, ooh, nothing personal there, Timberwolf. <laughs> I hope you like machine guns. <laughs> but that piranha rolled so many left torsos with machine gun. I felt bad. <laughs> I was just like, oh, left torso rear, left torso rear, left torso rear. Please stop. Left torso rear. Oh, God. <laughs> it's just like only turn three. Calm down, piranha. I think I, in that turn, I critted out the LRM-20. I was like, okay, I accept critting out an LRM-20. I don't want to destroy the mech, you know, that early. So not the ammo, just the just the box itself. Just the, just the launchers. I accept that. By then, like the Triskelions, like gotten up into like the middle range to start brawling the Grendel. Hammerhead's going around for the flank, and the Piranha's just like running interference. His Grendel jumps down into some woods, and no, his Grendel jumps behind the Triskelion because he won initiative. And I was like, I'm not moving. I'm good. I accept this because guess what. Triskelion's a tripod. I got 360 arc, baby. Yep, that turret thing. <clears throat> that I mean, he's still attacking your rear armor, but you can bring all your weapons to bear on him. So Yeah, and at this point, because I've never used the Triskelion in Classic, it was right then and there that I fell in love with the Triskelion for Classic because it has Clan ER mediums, four of them, with a targeting computer, and two clan lrm15s with artemis 5 and i was like Oof. this feels dirty but then i realized it's just a mad cat like with an extra leg with an extra leg <laughs> with an extra leg is that an extra leg you just happy to see me the answer is yes for this game so i just alva strike i hit his arms and i essentially like for you for your shadow or you for your spider critting out everything i crit out both of his arms one has nothing left in it the other one has like shoulder and stuff and it's like okay you just you're just right torso left torso now at least that's what i thought but he kept jumping around with a broken shoulder he still hit like every e- er large laser shot that he Ooh. took and i was like come on man i've already broken your arm don't make me finish the job <laughs> it's a lot of damage it's 10 10 damage a pop yeah that's always in short range but the hammerhead had kind of like got him to start brawling started running interference so the piranha and the Timberwolf start dueling. They're like point blank. And they're like, I'm, I'm just at that point, I'm kind of throwing the piranha away, but I felt like it was thematic. We shoot each other. He misses everything except like one laser, which was hilarious. He then kicks me, takes the leg off. And I was like, okay, that's fine. It's not the worst, but he had shot the other leg and that only had one structure left. I fall down and I'm like, well, I, worst case, I'm, you know, 12 machine guns that are propping up next turn. No, I fall on that one leg and do, you know, two damage to it because I'm 20 points. Yep. 
crunch crunch and i was like great i have no legs for my piranha i was like but it's easy because now he's out of the game now it's a you know two on three that's what were those elementals doing this whole time those elementals were under the hammerhead just constantly trying to leg attack it (laughs) nice leg attack they like broke its foot and i was like oh no my aes hardened armor (laughs) well yeah but doesn't doesn't uh the hardened armor interfere with with critical chances yes but I didn't play it with that way. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I'm not that smart. Yeah, the hardened armor should have made it super tough. Like swarming would be the. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know how I would have played elementals against a hammerhead. That hammerhead is a, <laughs> is a good design. Yeah, no, I'm like. I think I would have had the elementals going after the Triskelion. The Triskelion but, uh, and the Mad Cat started dueling. Those two units blew each other apart. The Mad Cat. By the end of it, had both of its legs. It had no internal structure, or it had no armor anywhere except like its legs, broken an entire torso off, and the other one had broken the arm off and just had like a few pips left in the other right torso. And I was like, Triskelion's lost both arms and an entire <laughs> left torso, so all it has is an LRM fifteen. And I was like, any sane pilot would have abandoned the fight by now, but that's not fun. Because you know, so the hammerhead went for the double punch because he was so slow he couldn't run away, and I took out the other uh, the center torso's engine to get the three three engine engine kills. Yeah, and I was like, I could have kicked, but no, I got two battle fists and I'm going to use them. (laughs) So it was great because this game, this was probably the game I had the most crits with, like ever, Mm. like broken arms everything internal on an arm broken right torsos launchers are dead engine hits gyro hits it was everything and i had broken feet engine kills like it was just insane the amount of crits we were getting that was a great game for the last shot i put the triskelion's lone remaining lrm 15 into the uh grendel to kill it i was like man man these mechs did not want to die <laughs> But th- that was a great game. But then we all did like our four way uh, Alva Strike game that you kind of had to leave for. Right, right. I had to leave, so so I uh, I I helped set up, and I got everyone teamed up, and I was there for almost half of it. But I have no idea how it ended. It ended badly, but you know what? We kind of we kind of figured that. I mean, ragtag and intro tech intersphere looking lances versus you know two clan stars. You had three, yeah, it was three lances versus two stars. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, w- when I left, uh, most of the clan mechs were up on a bridge on the center, on the center point, but they were surrounded and they had a lot of shots coming into their rear. Uh, and, and what I believe was a Mackie coming up through, through the trees on the, on the right flank. Uh, and then I, and then I left. So I have no idea how that charge worked. So yeah, so I brought my hegemony armed forces and just gave nice. them all skill too because they're so cheap. Mental note: it's not that great when you're playing single attack roll because <laughs> you still need to be lucky. I was fighting off the Jeff's another player's sea foxes he had there. I had pretty much taken out his Kingfisher, then almost taken out a Stormcrow, and that's kind of how it felt. Like okay, I'm only throwing three or four damage out, so if I hit, I'm not as killing as much. Mm-hmm. 
Like if I was multiple pack roll, I probably would have done better. But you got Jason Hansa with a Jingao under the bridge in water overheating for seven damage. And we're just accepting it because we're obviously like this, this is his cannon mech. Of course, it's doing seven damage. <laughs> <laughs> we have and he's like, oh, overheat for everything. I was like, how much does it overheat for? Because you've done that like the last couple of turns. And he's like, it overheats for three. And I was like, okay. But you're overheating max two turns in a row? I mean, you're in water. You're only sinking one. He's like, only sinking one? No. Water. And I was like, Jason, he, no. He had, he had, um, I heard him ask at the beginning how water works. Mm-hmm. And someone just said, it sinks heat. And there was no specification uh, yeah. of a number. So I can kind of understand that. Oh, no, I understand. I blame everyone else at the table. <laughs> I blame everyone else at the table. That is, I, because I'm the one who caught it, so I can't blame me. No, that, that is like, definitely going to be a going to be a soundbite you know, of of Josh. I blame everyone else at the table. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love and, it. And you've got a Jingao shooting for seven every turn. You're like, how is that possible? Well, I mean, it's I a ha- scary mech. I would kind of believe it. <laughs> Why don't I have like five of these? But yeah, so I, once he realized that, I was like, oh, okay, we got to roll some stuff back. But it, it didn't change much. But it took like an entire star to kill the Mackie in one turn. But I yeah, would the is a beast. It's got a, was it 10 armor, 8 health, 8 structure? Yeah. So it's a lot of points, but it, it missed. Even at skill 2, it was missing medium range shots. And I was like, come right. on, when you've, got a, when you've got a skill 2, you really want, because then you're playing numbers. So you want the more rolls. The more rolls, the better if you've got a skill 2. Yeah. Uh, so, Yeah. Yeah, yeah th- this was the like it's a balancing force. I was like, I don't, I'm not wanting to take like 20 mechs, even if I'm inner sphere. So I'm, I'm just doing this, and it was still fun. Well, like I said, Jason took the bridge with his like Clint and Jingao and just held it there. And at the end of the day, they were pretty much dead, but held the field. Nice, nice. As long as fun was had, it works. Yeah. So it was great to have Michael and Jason come out and get to play them for a day. Yeah, that was super cool. I mean, that was that was a lot of fun. We had a great lunch with them. It was just it was just a good time. And of course, in store news, Fortress Miniatures and Games has the new Kellhounds Archer, Wolf's Dragoons Jamie Wolf Archer, and Death's Commandos Urban Mech Plushies, which I know Denim of course loves. They also have a big price drop on all of their Strato Minis line. So all of their mechs, vehicles, and terrain have gotten cheaper. The Mars Colony 36-piece set has actually dropped to $35, which is a bargain. Let's want to take a quick break, and then we get into the Mercs. What are they good for? Let's do it. Star Colonel Catherine, how do I grow up big and strong like you? Well, Star, you must fight well and be honorable in your Sipco. But most importantly, you must remember to eat all of your Karinskios. They are packed full of protein and power in every bite to make sure that you grow up to be the best warrior. I want to be the best, just like the Great Father when I grow up and get my blood name. Indeed, Karinskios. They are clantastic! Warning, the following content contains math, and lots of it. Duty-free seabill spending, and tables upon tables. Listener discretion is advised. All right. Mercenaries. Love them. Hate them. But what are they actually good for? They're the ragtag heroes, the opportunistic villains, and the one-size-fits-all for any aspiring writer for Battletech. 
I mean, they really are like the lifeblood of the Battletech universe. Whether we like it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So real talk, we all know mercenaries from like the lore or the games, like literally the video games. They are custom and nameless. Like if you're playing HBS Battletech or MechWarrior 5, they're kind of whatever you want to name them. Uh, You've got the literal, literal hundreds of protagonists and antagonists of all the lore and the games where they are named character like crescent hawks like some of us were around for that right (laughs) a lot of us were (laughs) a lot of us and then we have ones like the wolves dragoons which i'm i'm gonna go with their fan fiction that came to life I I have my own thoughts about the Wolf's Dragoons and them as a mercenary unit, but uh, but we can get to that in a little bit if you want. Okay, okay. So so what are your definitions for a mercenary company? Like when, right, you, hear, merc- when you hear BattleTech mercenary company, what what are you thinking? A mercenary unit. It's not always a company, but a mercenary unit is a group of of fighters. I'm going to say mech warriors here, even though obviously not all of them have mechs, but but all the ones that I play do. So they're a group of mech warriors who fight for a contract. Most of the time that's money. Uh, a lot of times that contract can change hands depending on on where they are at the time or which contracts are available. But they are not... They're not necessarily indelibly tied to one employer, though some of the contracts may lead them to have land grants or, or, or things like that. But they're still a mercenary unit. They can still get a job for someone else. So they have that option. They are not, they are not tied indelibly to a specific faction or house. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always go with the soldiers of fortune. They don't know where their next meal or job is going to be. Yeah, but some famous mercenaries like have long-term contracts, so they yeah. definitely know where their next one is coming from. But they can't like they can't take that for granted. At will employment, or you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that's that's what mercenaries are. They can be fired at any time. Anytime. Do you have any favorites real quick? I, I, I do, actually, real, real quick. I've, I've got two favorites, and it is because of when I got into the Battletech universe. Uh, the Grey Death is one of my absolute favorites because it was literally the first novels I ever read. It was my introduction to Battletech. So everything I've ever done since then has been based on the knowledge I got from those books. Like That was the start of it all. And then the other favorite of mine is on the opposite side. It's the video game lore. Uh, the Crescent Hawks Inception was the first Battletech RPG game I ever played on the computer. And the story, it just, my, my young teenage self just loved that. I, I became part of that story. And I always wanted to be part of the Crescent Hawks from, from that moment on. So, Grey Death and Crescent Hawks, those are my two favorites. That's good. I'm I'm still working on finding my favorite mercenary company. I mean, there's just so many to pick from. It's literally a buffet. Well, yeah, when you came into the game, there were there were literally hundreds as you said. When I came into the game, there were fives, maybe <laughs> dozens. <laughs> there there weren't that many to choose from. And and I think a lot of people my age will have a certain you know 
a certain love for those two because it, it was at the beginning of it all. So it's just, you know, it, it's the first face we saw. That's true. So how do we like to reflect and play mercenaries on the tabletop? Because you can't really like, hey, I'm going to put $5 on this game. If you if I beat you, can I have it? <laughs> <laughs> or if I no. beat you, can can I have a sandwich? Like, like... The 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 mercenary for me anyway the the mercenaries was the introduction to to a larger uh, a deeper play so it's more than just than just here is my army you know this is my fifth sword of light i know exactly what's in the fifth sword of light there's a book that tells me what's in there these are the mechs in that lance i'm going to fight with this army and here's my source book etc it's it's like the first introduction of of customization and role-playing where you get to design something that's your own and play with it and the wins and losses actually matter to you and you can use it in a campaign you can use it for pickup games but it's yours and you created it and and its stories are your stories and i think that's the big pull to to creating a mercenary unit so if you're wanting to take like the historical route, what's a good way? Like I know that previously there was the mercenaries handbook, but that's like literally 1987. And that, that goes into like Eridani Lighthorse, Waco's Rangers and Wilson's Hussars. And that's, you know, history, unit description, personalities, and their literal roster and all the things that come with those companies. And then you have the mercenaries handbook 3055 with, Wolf's Dragoons, and that's kind of where that starts. Are there yeah. any other resources for like finding exact units? For, well, like, right, the the, a names? lot of right. You have, you've got the Mercenaries Handbooks, which is a great place to start if you can find an old PDF or an old copy of that, um, just because it has a lot of information on how mercenary units are are treated. It has sample contracts, which are great. And it has some information on some of those, but a lot of the really famous ones have their own source books. So you've got a Grey Death source book. You've got a Wolstergoon's source book. You've got a Widowmaker's source book. Uh, again, those are old publications. You might have to you know, go look for, for a digital-only copy on Drive-Thru RPG. They've got, they've got a lot of those. The problem but is they also only have, you know, 12 mechs to pick from for the entire mercenary well, that's, force. That's just it. If you're, if you're doing a historical mercenary unit, it's no different than doing a, a house unit because you know exactly who these pilots are. You know exactly what mechs they piloted during what eras, like the Fox's teeth or Sorens and Sabres. Like you, you can, you can pick them through different eras and say, these pilots had these mechs during these times. And, and you can play as those mercenary units and do a bunch of what ifs. But that's still, that's not as much fun as creating one in my mind. But a lot of people are very, they're very tied to their mercenary units. And, and so they want to do, you know, they want to be part of that. And that's, that's, that's cool. I have no problems with that, but uh, there's less customization, but more, more surety, more, um, you, you know, you know what forces you have available to you 
And so it takes a lot of the decision making out of your hands. It feels very legal. I mean, Battletech yeah. at its core is a historical war game, kind of. It is. It really is. So so that way you can be like, well, these would have actually met on this planet during this fight. You know, they could have met there. So this is the battle that could have been. And, and you know, let's think about what what ramifications this win or loss could have had. You can kind of supplement that. You, I, I would say you could modernize because a lot of that is old resources. And yes, the entire light company had stingers, wasp, and locusts. But now we know they had more options available. So right, I mean, so like I said, you can look at different eras and things. Uh, Swords and sabers. I have a list from like thirty twenty five, and then I have uh, have it around the thirty forties, and then I have it for like the thirty sixties. But that's it. Anything beyond that, I, I don't really have. So if you're part of that, it, would, it wouldn't it would be the original people. It would be their children or the new hires. So you're still going to have to to come up with, you know, with some backstory to go with that, even if you're part of, of this highly esteemed unit. If we're not doing that, we're cracking open one of our favorite books, good old campaign operations, right, Denim? It, it honestly, for reals, is one of my very favorite books. <laughs> I know yes. it is. <clears throat> gratuitous tables check way too much information check cool archer in a snowscape about to kill you know inventory on the cover check 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 uh and so many tables so many tables so many forms that you can fill out uh it's yeah it's awesome i know you can print these out but i uh i printed them out as a pdf and made them form fillable so it just makes it way faster and it looks so much nicer when i print them out with print them out that way all right so we're going to go through the steps for actually cre- using campaign operations to build a custom mercenary company. And- Correct. Now, building a mercenary company in campaign operations is buried really, really far in the very first section of the book. They want you to do this. You open up the book, you get past the table of contents, and it says, let's build a force of, of your very own. And what I thought this was cool was that you can use this to... Kind of like, oh, well, I'm building Aerodyne Light Horse mercenaries that are known, and I'm using it to like fill in for a year that there's nothing, no information for them. Like I'm using my right. best guesses and stuff, how the books would want me to do it. Exactly. Yeah, it lets you go, like most things, it lets you go as deep as you want, or you know, you can you can skim through there and just get the get the bits you want, or you can get really, really deep. It's it's fun. Sir, this is campaign operations. This is extra deep. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's uh, let's build one. Yeah. So let's go through the steps real quick. So uh, first, you have to define your force, and that is where you would pick, you know, either a house unit or a mercenary company or something else. Right. There's a lot of different choices they have in the book, but we're talking about mercenaries, so we're going to skip that and say that one's already been decided. We're doing a mercenary unit. All right, so we've picked, you know, we're going to do mercenary force out of our out of our three options, government, mercenary, <laughs> pirate. No, it's, it's such a hard one. It doesn't really say this here, but we're going to do the name now. We're going to do the name now. So what do we want? We want the Mech Bay's mercenaries. Mech Bay mercenaries. The most vanilla name we could draw out of a hat. <laughs> Mech Bay mercenaries. And you know what? I'm going to say we have Excel open for this. So you're going to hear that good old clicky clack of the keyboard. Yeah. We're going to have to type this up because you need Excel or some spreadsheet or calculator for all this. You need technology. 
You do. Yeah, this is not this is not a, you know, I'll just uh, fill this out in five minutes. It's a process. It's a process already. I, I think the only thing that I did in Battletech that took longer than creating my own mercenary unit was creating my own character using the time of war the the whole process that they have with, with the life the, the life choices <laughs> one day one day yeah when we've got one weekend it's it's one weekend yeah. all right you have your select force background now your force background this is essentially your general faction and your era because not all factions are in all eras and you know not all eras are created equally either that is correct. There are modifiers for all of these as we go as we go along. So it's 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 important to know when you're going to be playing with these with these forces as much as what those forces are. All right. So what era do we want to run our Mechbay mercenary company in? I mean my my original thought was Age of War, but I'm like, no, it's gonna be Ill Clan for sure. Okay. So we're gonna do Ill Clan. Unfortunately, campaign ops has, you know. The cl- we we have to do thirty one fifty, right? So it's technically dark age, but but we're in the we're the end of the dark, dark age. age. We are we are coming out into the ill clan era uh, as a brand new mercenary force. So that's that's what we're doing. There you go. I like that. We could even put down that we were founded in thirty one fifty one. So it just so we're not technically in the dark age. Oh. <laughs> We were the light. We were the first one. Like we submitted yes. the paperwork in thirty one fifty, didn't get approved till thirty one fifty one. How about that? There you go. I like it. All right. Yep. We don't have to roll or anything on that. Now comes the fun part. Yeah. So we have to select force size and force size. I wouldn't use that that term. That's what they put. But really, what it is is we all can't inherit a fortune from our cousin who's actually married to like the archon of some <laughs> some superpower and. You know, they die and just literally give us way too much money that we could never spend anything on. You know, all are, are you saying that our name should now be the Mech Bay Hounds? Is no, that what no, <laughs> no. But I do like I do like how in the book though, when it says select four size, you know, the the first step is determining your basic budget. Like you have to do that, and and they give you two ways. They say. Roll 3d6 and look on this table or choose whatever you want. Like it's very specific that you can either make this sucker and have a whole big backstory because of what you rolled. Or if you have a backstory already in your head and it's okay with everyone you're playing with, just pick whatever fits. But you know how I we're going to do it right now. Oh, we're, we're, we're rolling that D3, that yeah. 3D6. I was like, yeah. D3? No, there's three, D, three, three dice. 3D6. We're rolling that 3D6. All right, give me, the, oh, give yeah. me those dice rolls. I want to hear these on air. All right, here we go. Uh, we got a six, a four, and a two, so that is 12. 12. You know, that's isn't that like smack average and a little above average? I'm a little rusty in my probability on three dice. Well, it's it's 120 million C bills is what it is. 120 million. Ooh, so boy. we're looking at we're looking at I would estimate a um a mixed company uh, <laughs> of of decent tech. We're above so. average. I, I'll, I'll accept that. Unfortunately, <laughs> not all C bills <laughs> are are. Not all faction C bills are created equally. And well, that is true. And here's where we have true. to quote the modified budget. 
that, yeah, so you've got your budget of, of 120 million C-bills. And then step two is modifying that. You've got the era modification and you've got the faction modification. So there's two separate modifiers. All right. So we already said we're going to do Ill Clan era, which is quote unquote Dark Age. So guess what? That's a fun multiplayer of 1.0. Yeah, that's going to be tough. Let me do the math on that. Oh, man, it's the same. Uh, <laughs> I thought this I did think this chart was funny because like you could literally see money's not worth as much pre-age of war and then it gets you know worth a lot and then once you have the star league it's like yeah money's worth so much now everyone's got money more money than they know what to do with then it's you know successions wars literally just eating everyone's pocketbooks oh and then clan of course adds multipliers all on its own all its own because you know all right so we got a we got a one modifier for ill clan mm-hmm. got it uh, how about the faction we 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 starting off as any faction or are we starting off as independent? All right. So for our faction type, let's do independent mercenary force. Woo. What's that fun, wild <laughs> multiplier, Mr. Denham? So boring. We got another times one. Yeah. So we're still at 120 million C bills. It's a lot of money, but I mean, uh, there are worse things. <laughs> yeah. And now we have the faction modifier because like all of that, we have to modify again. Are we wealthy or poor? Oh, man. Come on. The Mech Bay? We are so poor. But we pretend like we're rich. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right. So there's our first negative modifier at a balmy 0. 0.8. 0. 0.8. Let's, let's calculate some numbers. All right. What is our basic budget times poor? Oh, man. We've got 96 million C-bills. If we look in our chart, that's literally just rolling, you know, a 10 and a half rather than a 12. So yep. it, it hasn't completely killed the coffers yet. Not yet. Just wait till we start hiring techs. You know, that's where it's going to, you know, that's where it's going to fall apart. So now, you know, my uncle just died and gave me 96 million C bills. What do I do now? Okay. I only got a little ahead because stage three is procure equipment and hire personnel. So we're going to buy all the stuff. Mm-hmm. What do we want? Yeah, because you get to spend all that moolah on whatever we want. Whatever we want. Mechs, vehicles, battle armor, fighters, support vehicles. We say we can do it, whatever we want. However, again, they have two things. One of them is buy whatever you want, or the other one is pick a unit and roll to see if you get actually get to buy it. But for this one, I think we're just going to buy whatever we want. All right. So what do we want to buy? Like, th- this is the... <laughs> All Shadowhawks and Black Knight mercenary company? I, I don't think so. Like, I think I think we're going to have to go crazy and do, like, we'll have a crab. But Steve's not going to pilot it. We have to make someone else. <laughs> All right. So let's buy Cataphract 40's Nightstar. All right. So we go down to the table, and that is a assault battle mech. Oh, man. Rich guy over so, there. Well, we can either we can go several ways. We we can get very specific and look up the price of it in in the uh, Mega Mech, or we can just use this availability and cost for uh, a generic assault battle mech and then name it whatever we want. For for brevity's sake, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a single a quote unquote assault battle mech is twelve million C bills. Yep. I don't want to say like I've already I'm already feeling the hint like that was that was like more than 10% of our funds just on Cataphract's assault mech. 
Now, on this stage, though, we are not allowed to go into debt while building the force. We're not allowed to. So we buy things until we're out of money, and then we're done. But don't forget, the equipment is only half of it. Also, transports are not included in this step. We do not have to buy transports. We kind of don't buy transports. We more like rent them. They'll get into that in the next step. Oh, doing, you know, Chad Evans and Hatchet Man. Let's do that one. Nice medium mech. We'll do six million for that. Oh, man. Is this going to be a four mech, uh, a four mech mercenary company? (laughs) It feels like it just because we're already running so low. I know that that Steve Maisel drives a crab, right? Yeah. Yeah, let's throw a crab in there. That's another medium mech. All right. Then we've got... Do, do we have any uh, any heavies or lights? We've got Rex Rawhide and an Orion and let's Danny do that. Cryo and a Flashman. Fantastic. All right. So that's two heavies. Heavies cost a lot. They cost nine million. That's 18 nine million. million. How much money do we have left? Oh, Lord. I'm... Bam, 36 million. Okay, so it's, it's not the worst. So we got uh, Chesty in a hammerhead. So that's a clan heavy. Oh, no. Our first oh, that's going to that's gonna change some things. Yeah. yeah. Does that have an XL? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it All does. Right. All right. So it's an XL. So that's a times 2.5. And it's a clan uh, equipment for non-clan force is another times four. That hammerhead's going to be expensive. Hammerhead is a heavy mech. Yeah. All right. Medium. So, medium. Medium. Forty-five oh, medium? tons. Yeah. Okay. Good. Six million. <laughs> That's not times. That oh God. Times two point five <laughs> times four equals six. That's it. That's our. That's our last mech. It's Are you serious? I'm. I'm serious. Oh my God. Sorry, Jesse. Yeah. We can't buy your hammerhead. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe next time we got to win a few missions and then, yeah. uh, and then get it out of the impound lot. <laughs> okay, so that was sixty million. Now I need to look up what the actual cost for a hammerhead is. Oh yeah, it's a good good question. Because that's the purchase for campaign ops. Money wise, it's a balmy eight million C bills. Huh. Right, but we are an intersphere mercenary unit, and and trying to capture clan equipment is expensive. So that money isn't just the cost of the mech; it's the cost of tracking one down, uh, dealing with with the Sea Fox exchange rates, you know, jumping into different systems. It's, it's all the money that you've spent trying to acquire it. <laughs> All right, so we've repair got repair costs for your <laughs> yeah. yeah, repair costs for the bid um to to obtain that mech. All right, so sorry Jesse, uh we got a Mitch Minotaur in a Thunderbolt. Uh Thunderbolt 65 ton, that's a heavy, so we'll subtract 9 million from here. Yeah. And then we got Harris Ramshackle in a Cataphract. So Cataphract is also heavy. And then we got Mage in a 12th Vegan Rager in a Night Star. So another assault. Assault. All right. Now, I would I would do Metal Zarek in a Black Hog Age, but we already know the cost of that. And it's, right. It's right. 60 million, and I'm not paying well, that right now. Yeah. Well, let's... What are you going to pilot in this? Because we, we're at seven mechs Whoa, now, right? I'm, I'm, I'm the managing. I'm not piloting. Oh, all right. Well, I'll throw myself in there. All right. You're then. in a Shadowhawk. I yep. am. I'm in a medium medium Shadowhawk mech. 
I'm in a crappy one, so it's going to be nice and cheap. You know what? Just so we can prove that the math's not super insane, what's a non-XL clan light? A non-XL clan? I don't think there are any clan mechs that are light that don't have XL what, engines. a 2C? Yeah. So, okay. So, let's let's give me the baboon, because that does not have an XL engine in it. It's still clan. So, let's see what the price of a the cheapest <laughs> clan is for us. I don't think we can afford that because we had six million left, and that's going to be almost eight million. Oh my god! Fine, I'm in yeah. a, I'm in a scout. I'm in, I'm surveying the battlefield. All right. So we are down to we are down to three million in our in our coffers right now. After we've got two lances, you know what? I'm happy with that. Yeah. I'm happy. Total funds remaining three million. That's not that bad. No. Hey, look, there there is a level, a, a spot for exotic units like LAM, Super Heavies, etc. And that starts at 50 million. Oh, God. Yeah. Now, I will say the thing we didn't do for this is we didn't do the availability roles, which... Correct. We could have done that. But since we already have these people on our roster and they brought their own mechs, we just have those mechs. Um, also, it does indicate that just because we are putting these mechs into our unit it does not imply ownership which means that the pilots themselves may or may not own it it's just what is in your force and who the pilot is so the company itself could own them the pilots themselves could own them but it's all going down on paper as this is the cost of the mech because you have to know how much your company is worth it's for the insurance company and taxes Alrighty, but I do like the availability roles. I would probably do a lot of that personally, just because, like, that's where it's harder to roll for things like clan and experienced oh. pilots and you know right. rarity of un- units. I think that's really cool to like add a role. Like, can I get this? And it's like, nope, you got to get something worse. Well, you know what? Let's do that in step two: acquire large spacecraft. Okay. So, if we want a dropship, let's try and roll for one. We'll oh, go we with definitely that. want a dropship. Because, you know, so we need hold on, because unlike what PGI would wants us to believe, not every <laughs> mercenary company uses a leopard. I know if I had a leopard that could hold 50 something mechs, I would definitely take that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we need a dropship and we need one that holds at least eight, preferably 12, because we want room for expansion and I, salvage. I like that. I like that. We're planning ahead. All right, and so, when we get really rich, we can buy that space station that, <laughs> that Dustin's always wanted. We're the mercenaries in space. Yeah. All right, so for acquiring a large spacecraft, it's 2d6. Let's, let's give those clicky clacks a roll. Well, first of all, we got to figure out which one which one are we going to go for because we have to we have to pick. So we just want to try our hand at the at the most common one, like the uh, the regular um, Union class. Oh, that's that's a tough call. I'd have to like look up Overlord. Do we want to try for the Overlord? Overlord's huge, though. Do we want? See, this is yeah. Where let's I, try. This is where let's I would try. Okay, we'll try. I don't have the cost for an Overlord. I got gotcha. you. Three hundred twenty-one million C bills for an Three, Overlord twenty seventy sixty-two. All right, so we take that number and we divide it by fifty million. <laughs> There's a lot of math here. That equals 6.42. 
So we round that up to the nearest whole number. So seven. Which is seven. And then we add five to that. <laughs> All right. So what's that? 12. I need 12. to roll 12. Okay. I, I have faith in you. It's low. If you put them next to each other, it's a 15. It's a one and a five. So it's six. <laughs> Lord. All right. So where do we go from there? Do we have to? We pick a different a different <laughs> dropship. So oh. We can pick any different dropship. We could pick another overlord, but a different type. So it has to be a different variant. And then it's another 12. Now, we don't have to pay for this. It just gives it to us, but we have to pay for its upkeep later. Our monthly bills are going to be crazy high. Why am I looking this up? Well, it's a rabbit hole. Like, like when you start doing this for fun, uh, it gets it gets crazy. All right. I'm rolling. I'm rolling for the I'm rolling for the union. OK. Oh, my good. Yeah. Yep. I got a nine. What did I need here? Six, seven, eight. I needed a 10. Oh, here we go. Okay. The, the, that was the one union. That was the 2708 one. There we go. I rolled an 11 on the next one down. So that's the one that came out in 3055. Oh, we got an upgrade. Oh, yep. okay. We got a, a 3055 union. I rolled an 11 for that. And uh, and yeah, that's got Artemis and Gauss rifles and LRMs. Until we sell nice. that to you know, pay for the everything. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we have a thirty fifty five slightly upgraded union. Well, I mean, hold it, for for thirty one fifty one, it's ancient. All right, yeah. it's it's ancient. But I have to stop and say, ooh, thirty fifty five upgrade for uh, luxurious double and single occupancy berths and an improved <laughs> air filtration unit. You know, at that, you know, armor up, armor reduced, eh, ERPBCs, eh, Artemis 4, eh, air filtration. That's what you really want. Okay, so we have a jump ship. Yeah, some place for the trachezoid to hide and, and uh, <laughs> you know, all the butter. All the butter. That's that's cargo, sir. That's cargo. Yeah, I know, cargo. Cargo, just shove it all in there. All right, so we have a ride, and we didn't get a dro- leopard because we're cooler than that. Uh, yeah, we yeah, because we'd have to leave Mex at home. We don't want to do that. This is where we would start assigning special abilities because you know it's faction flavor time, and you would assign like special pilot abilities, special you know lance abilities, and that's kind of goes with the regular things that we've already talked about. But they don't really have a cost; they're more just assigning like one per force, like normal. So right. we're kind of so we're kind of going to skip that because we're talking about money for this episode. So. How many leftover funds do we have? Three million? Three million. All right. What do you do with leftover funds? Because it actually says what to do. Supposed to, we were supposed to assign like like what type of pilots are our pilots? They're are all, they regular, they're all regular elite? They're all regular. They're all regular. They're all, okay, yeah. then we're then we're fine. Then we're fine. Nobody's right, so getting a got, promotion in my company. Right. So we got we got three million leftover to to hold us over in the middle of contracts. I'd say that's kind of needed. Once you're done with all that, you added all that to the spreadsheet. Then step five, determine support personnel and officers. Because every Merc company needs a Starbucks and a staff sergeant. <laughs> yes, 100%. I like how it specifies each mech has a single technician and six Aztecs. So. Right. And we've got eight mechs. So we need eight techs and uh, a bunch of math for, for how many Aztecs. <laughs> how late is it and how intoxicated are we? No, no, no. It's 48. We all know that. <laughs> so eight techs, 48 Aztecs. Uh, and that's just to support the mechs. Yeah. 
If we have less, it's really going to cause problems. And it tells you the problems that you will have keeping your mechs in, in repair if you do not have the proper number of techs and Aztecs. Because if you're running a mercenary unit, you are expected to keep track of all the damage and then roll to see how easily your mech got repaired. And if you do bad on the roll, you know, that arm actuator may be broken and you just have to replace the arm and it's, it gets bad. Real bad. Yep. So obviously these are all going to be green techs and Aztecs because, you know, we just don't care around here and they're cheaper. They're way cheaper. Would the dropship have its own crew that we have to pay for here or? It, it does have its own crew. Large support vehicles and large spacecraft do not require separate technical support. Everyone loves to hear that, right? Right. Uh, but they do have to have like like a commander and a pilot and, and stuff. But it, it's all labeled in the, the technical readouts. You can find how many crew a, a your dropship has. Oh, my God. Is that why every dropship and vehicle has number of crew? Yes, right here. We figured it out, the, everyone. We, f- we figured it out, Battletech. You got to pay these people. Yeah. So that's just the technical personnel. Then we need administrative personnel because everyone needs a secretary to get the coffee for the Starbucks for the staff sergeant. So that's literally and, one person per mech. Yep. There's one technical person per mech. And that's not like anyone repairing the mech that's just that's that's just administrative paperwork that's the guy who does the paperwork i mean if you have to keep records on your battle mechs keep up with the warranties what's out of you know order what needs to these are the gophers that go get the parts i that actually makes a lot of sense because you know this one guy knows Shadowhawks, and you're going to assign him to the Shadowhawk, and someone's like arm actuators out he's going to a Shadowhawk supply store yeah, yeah he's got to get that yep and he'd be the one who can get that we essentially have two lances, so we have two right. officers. So we need two officers for sure. Okay, clickety clack. They're, they're the they are the lance the lance leaders, the lance commanders. That's a lot of people so far. That's more people than I, but also less than I thought because we didn't get right. any like now, weird no additional things. officers for large spacecraft. Um, but you do include the officers, the the ones that are listed in the technical readout. Okay. <laughs> now, once the officers are identified and marked on the unit sheet with an O, note their salary is increased per the salary table, page 25. I was just getting there because now we have, <laughs> you've, you've assembled the mercenary company, but now you must determine operating expenses. Oh, stage four, the worst stage. Uh, operating expenses, also known as taxes, keeping the lights on. And not just that, I mean... Ammo cost. You you have you have training and, and things. So so you are expected to to have wartime expenses and peacetime expenses because when you're sitting around between contracts, you're not just just chilling. You're you're doing training exercises. You're doing you're doing uh, uh, all that all that stuff that keeps you in fighting shape. So it, it costs you money for ammunition and fuel every month and repairs every month. I always think this is the craziest part. It's like you have to pay for fuel if your thing doesn't have a fusion engine. Dropships are incredibly expensive for upkeep, but they do put in a clause in there saying that if you are on a world that has that has ample water, so an Earth-like world that you have lots of access to water, you can create your own hydrogen fuel for free. So that, that cuts down your monthly costs for a dropship by something like... 400,000 C-bills a month, I think. It might be more than that, even. 
drops just a sense of fuels free. But yeah, page 25. We got to pay our guys. Mech warriors get 1,500. We're going to call them C bills, I guess. Depends. Yeah. We got to do conversion rates if you're Ugh. if you're different things. Now green would get a would get a um, zero point six modifier. Veteran gets a raise. Elites get a huge raise, uh, and then they're if they're officers, they get they get even more. Why is everyone so expensive? I know. That's right. No promotions. Not in this house. All right. So with eight mech warriors, two of those being officers, eight. Techs, 48 Aztecs, 8 admin staff. Our monthly operating salary is 41,600 C-bills. All right, and that's just the salaries. So that just is not salary. the fuel costs. That is not the spare parts. That is not the uh, the ammo cost expenditures. This is where those uh, energy mechs are really, really nice because they get no, no fuel and no ammo costs. Just repair and upkeep. That's right. Just repair and upkeep. And if you've got enough green, you know, green and recruit regular technicians, that's practically free, right? You're just paying yeah, for it on the battlefield when everything breaks. But unfortunately, to find out the uh, the spare parts and ammo costs, we, we're going to have to go through every single mech and find and, and go through which weapons it has and do calculations on all of that. And, uh, and I don't feel like doing that. Neither right now. do I. Right. So let's just estimate it at... 105,000. Okay. For ammo. Spare parts because I've done this for for a for a company level type thing, so I'm basically just dividing it by by 3. So the spare parts, we're going to estimate that also 100, yeah. So 100,000. And then fuel costs, uh are we on a planet that uh <laughs> That has water because if not, it's going to be 400,000. Let's go with yes, please. Water, okay. So, if we ever get stranded somewhere without water, our our sub- fuel supplies are going to go up by 400,000 sea bills oh every God. month. All right, so add add that uh, ammo cost, the uh, spare parts cost, and uh, the salaries, and let me know what that is. That's going to be a balmy 246,600 sea bills a month. So we we basically can operate for a year in between contracts right now with our three million. That's pretty. That's actually better that's than I bad. thought. Yeah, that's not bad. We can survive for a year, so we have a year to get our next contract before uh, we have to let everyone go and we fold. You know, I'm actually going to say maybe the like BattleTech games aren't that off. Like, you know, you sell a Mac and you're good for like a year or two. Yeah. Yeah. Josh and Denim do the math. They find it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Well, that's I mean, salvage is important, and that's a big thing about your contracts because a lot of a lot of times when you do mercenaries, your salvage rights are horrible. Like you don't get any battlefield salvage, or or you know, you've got to struggle for that. You've got to get a good lawyer. Wish I knew one. I mean, we've got a lawyer, but you got to get a good lawyer to to <laughs> that's get. Funny. That, that's a joke. What else? <laughs> Yeah, it's a, you live or die by your contracts, yeah. for sure. Okay, so that so we made a mercenary force. We made the Mech Bay mercenaries, and eat just with eight mechs, we ran through all of our money, we paid for all our support staff, we rented the dropship, and we can survive a year from what's left over. Mm-hmm. We need a job, man. Yeah, right? <laughs> Why the heck would you want to run a mercenary company <laughs> looking at this? Because if you own the mercenary company, you can make a lot of money if if your guys do really well. True. If you don't, it's probably because you like to travel or shoot people or you don't have any place else to go. We've done this big thought exercise. 
what would be the best way to integrate this on the table? Just like in more of a campaign setting, more of like, hey, this is like something I'm doing and I'm just playing random games and like you you could almost play with yourself and just play a random pickup games and kind of like, oh, if I win this. I think it's more fun to use this in a in a light campaign setting. Um something where where winning and losing you have to keep track of it. For the the campaign um chaos campaign books are really, really good about that because they give you war chest points, which can be converted in easily into ways to repair your mercenary unit. It ties into the campaign operations books 100%, especially since the campaign operations is another <laughs> chapter in the campaign operations books. Yes. The, the, the chaos campaign is just, it's fully integrated. So if you're playing a campaign over a planet, there are some PDFs about specifically about certain planets and a lot of them have campaign missions. And you could say, well, I am a mercenary company hired by this house with this contract for this mission. And you are a mercenary force hired by that house uh, for this, you know, these contracts. And then you just play for the planet. And, you know, there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. Or both of you will just run through all of your resources and go broke and the planet never changes hands. The classic succession wars method. That's right. Yep. Yep. I'm looking at you, Misery. Yeah, I, I actually like this that a single person could like literally build their force using the mechs they have, like miniatures, mm-hmm. assign them, pay for them, like, okay, keep track of technicians, the operating costs, and almost play it like their own little meta game outside of playing on the table. Oh, it makes it makes a forced withdrawal like something that you don't have to keep track of. It's just like, oh man, I cannot afford to have that mech lose. So if it starts getting flanked, I'm just pulling it off the table. I, you know, I'd rather lose this this fight and still have the resources to win the war rather than than push my mech warriors into into oblivion. You know, taking this field but having nothing left for for the next ones. My brain just like put two neurons together, and it's like. I would love to use this with aces. Oh, yeah. Aces would be great with this. Except aces right now is just alpha strike. You could still do that with alpha strike. Yeah, technically. Technically. Yeah. I mean, you play the game, you play the battles in alpha strike mode, but you do all of the, <laughs> all of the background in classic. Right. You just have to have to make the repairs like a lot more abstract, but it would absolutely work. A hundred percent. You could do that. No, I... I, I think that might be how I actually do that. Like if yeah. I, when I start playing aces, I will probably roll up a mercenary company and roll through until they're, you know, broke dead or found someone better. <laughs> like, I think that this type of play is at the core of what Battletech was designed for, really. Uh, so many, so many books and source books indicate this sort of style of play. I, th- I think it is the de- the developer and designer's preferred method we went through it and there's a lot but we didn't like struggle like we weren't constantly like what what do i go like which page do i reference this is like nope it's step 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 here's a sheet step and the and the campaign operations book even has examples like it has three different people building it so not just one example but three different people that you get to read about at every single step it goes through well this person did this and did this and therefore it its number came out to be that so it walks you through it. It holds your hand. It lets you. It lets you do what you want to do. 
Speaking of, there are some optional rules for, you know, optional and additional flavor that... It wouldn't be Battletech if there weren't. No, because Battletech's all about, you know, more (laughs) tables and charts than what you really want. So I'm just going to talk about a few of these. There's the alternate start where instead of, you know, rolling up how much money you have, you roll to see how (laughs) far in debt you already are because, you know... I love that one, too. I love it so much. Space capitalism. (laughs) player character influences that's more for like the rpgs and stuff where you already have like an influencer right right or that rich uncle who's got his thumb on like everything you do because without him you wouldn't be able to pay your bills this one struck me uh dependence because you know that's like literally the whole point of why are we fighting on misery to buy time for the dependence to get out right yes you know they they put dependence but i see I see hostages to be <laughs> reading that. So it's it's interesting that you've got all this because, you know, a lot of times when we're adding complexity, we call it an MMO rule or a Mega Mech only rule. Mega Mech has a program called Mecha HQ, which takes care of all of this for you. You plug in the numbers, it it pays the salaries, it, it helps you roll for the repairs. It 100% lets you lets you run your mercenary company from there and the dependents are interesting because it goes through time and people grow up people get older people have relationships people have kids and if you're not paying attention to it suddenly you look at your roster and you see that there's other people because because people on your in, in your group have formed these relationships or suddenly died from a heart attack or uh, you know, things like that. It's all covered under there for as many buttons as you click as deep as you want to go. Yeah, this this is where you can get lost in Battletech without actually even playing it. 100%. The nice thing about Mech HQ is that, is that when you do, because it will also generate contracts for you for your mercenary unit to play. So you can either start the mission and play against the AI and have a mission like that. And then it imports all of your stuff so that you know like how many of your mechs were destroyed, what the repair costs are, etc. Or it gives you the option to play with your friend on the tabletop. And then it says, okay, when your game is done, just fill out this form. And it asks you, you know, how many mechs were crippled, how many mechs were, were destroyed, and, and you just input all that information, and it keeps it helps you do all the math. It's a it's a wonderful program. Uh speaking of, a new Mega Mech just got released, and we forgot That's that in the true. news. That's true. It did. Uh, Version 0.49.13. Yeah. Uh, The server is already up for uh, on on the the MechBay servers. So if you want to play with that one, 2347 port. Cool. All right. Anything else you want to talk about, about making a mercenary company? Oh, man. It's fun. That's all. It's just fun. Do it Uh, once. Everyone should create one. Do it once. Yeah. See See what you like, what you don't like. Yeah. And if you really like it, do it again. This is where you would realize why taking inventory vehicles and, you know, cheap fusion engine energy (laughs) is superior. Infantry are so cheap to replace. You can just throw so many of at them and you're like, oh, that's how much it costs to replace all that. Okay. (laughs) You know, you're spending more on the stamps to send letters home to, you know, grieving widows than on actual infantry. Oh, Maybe too much, too much. Harsh, harsh, but true. Okay. I was like, they're cheap. They're real cheap. <laughs> they are. They're cheap. But uh, Denim, thanks for coming on to talk about making a mercenary company. Yeah, no, it's it's fun. I've done it. 
you know, if anyone has any questions, let, let me know. I'm, I'm happy to answer them. Um, I do. I think everyone should make one just for fun. And I think you guys should play with them. Yeah. Just to see. All right, MechWars. Remember, if you can't get that sweet salvage contract to keep you afloat, you can at least get a sugar daddy house lord to let you into the company store.